This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample. I'm Dina Marie Hale, and today we're going to have a town meeting of sorts. <laughs> so good good day, Archbishop, and thanks for coming in today. You're on the road a bit. You're on the road all of the time. Yeah, so to... as we discuss uh, visiting our parishes, visiting the different communities, uh, would you please open us yes, in prayer? Yes, certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, your Son Jesus, through his passion, death, and resurrection, has brought for us new life, new life in him, new life for eternity. And through that same Paschal mystery, Lord, your Son Jesus established his church, his body, to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and the place where our faith is nourished. Father, as we reflect on our parish communities and their importance in the life of the church, We ask you to be with our listeners, send the Spirit upon them, Lord, so that they may receive a word that will be encouraging and helpful for them. All of this we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we get into this fall season, Archbishop, it's nice to see you get to re-engage with the parish communities, visit with our vicariates, get back into that mission that you've had to meet all of our parishes, to get together with the schools, and you're back on the road, Mm -hmm. I know, to do some town hall meetings, be at some school masses. Um, I wanted you to just kind of reconnect with that, that vision, I think, about the shepherd needs to see his sheep. The sheep need to feel that comfort, that trust that the shepherd is caring for them, and that's relationship of our priests, our bishop, and the people of the church. Yes, this has become absolutely um, paramount for me in my ministry as, as bishop uh, in, in really in, in recent years, is to try to be more present and more available to our people, to our priests, to our deacons, to our religious, to just be more present. Uh, you know, it's very easy for a bishop, and, and I, I think people can probably understand this and, and appreciate this. It's very easy for a bishop to get caught up in the day-to-day administrative duties of, of overseeing such a large church as this archdiocese is in Western Oregon. You know, when you take it into, into consideration, you know, it's 30,000 square miles in Western Oregon. It's 124 parishes and 22 missions and uh, 40 elementary schools and 10 Catholic high schools and uh, our, our healthcare institutions, Catholic charities and Catholic service agencies. You know, there's, there's a lot to oversee. And I have a wonderful staff that helps me do that, of course. But it's, it's very easy to become kind of a CEO uh, and to get get drawn more and more into the administrative role, 
And what I've been trying to do in recent years, and I'm not fully successful, and I, I'm still working at it, is to try to extricate as much as I can from myself from a lot of that in the weeds so that I can be out more, be more present, where I can be actually, quite honestly, thinking uh, in, in bigger terms, in terms of vision and direction for the archdiocese. You know, sometimes when we're so bogged down and distracted with the day-to-day putting out fires, if you will, all the time. Uh, you never have to have a chance to get your head above the water and, and to see, you know, the, the bigger picture. Yeah. And so, but a big part of this for me is, is really to try to be more present uh, among God's people. I mean, I am a shepherd. I am an archbishop. I am a spiritual father, not for myself, but for the people that Jesus has entrusted to my care here in Western Oregon. I exist for them. My life is for them. My ministry as archbishop is for them. And if that is the case, which we know it is, then my goal is to be uh, out there, to be more present, to get to know more deeply my people, and for them to get to know me Mm -hmm. as well. Um, You know, there can become this distance between the bishop uh, and and the people. And I want to try to I want to try to break that down uh, really as, as much as I can. Um, you know, Pope Francis, I'm, I quite honestly, I take, uh, I take a lot of my inspiration from two popes, uh, from uh, Pope St. John Paul II, who in his ministry as the Archbishop of Krakow, uh, really worked hard at being uh, pastorally present to his priests and to his people. And the Archdiocese of Krakow is, is, is uh, geographically smaller, but administratively much more uh, a heavy burden than, than Archbishop of Portland. But... But also from Pope Francis, who speaks, he gave us that image of the shepherd needing to have the smell of the sheep on them. And in another place, he wrote about how the bishop needs to sometimes be in front of the people, leading, pointing the way of where we're going, setting the vision. Sometimes he just needs to be among the people, being with them, being present with them, encountering them, walking with them. Uh, He uses that word accompaniment. And sometimes behind the flock to make sure the stragglers uh, don't get left behind. So uh, it's in that that middle role there of just being among the people of God to me is so important. And quite honestly, what I have discovered, and I don't know how long I've been doing this now, maybe it's coming up on four years, I don't know, uh, where I take a week and just do a pastoral visit to a region or, or a vicariate of the archdiocese. What I have found is that a lot of I don't know, misconceptions, perhaps uh, uh, prejudicial judgments that that people have made, uh, maybe even towards me, are completely broken down uh, because now they've gotten to know a person uh, who they come to believe, I hope, really loves them and cares for them and has an interest in them and is interested in their concerns and their questions and their joys uh, and their lives uh, and wants to see them grow in relationship to Christ. So I, I think it's it's all about relationship building uh, between the shepherd and and the people that that uh, you know Christ has has placed in in my care. Yeah, I think it is so important. And this is our family. You know, we think about our domestic church and the relationships we build between husband and wife, the parents, the children, extended family. But our parish family is that next community of of 
parishioners, you talk about amazing parishes and the and the beautiful resources we're utilizing for our priests and a leadership team. This is part of how to develop amazing mm-hmm. parishes, I believe, is this communication. Give us a sense. You've had some town hall meetings before. You're going to have quite a few uh-huh. as we move into the next few weeks. But just some of the ways that they've allowed people to, I think, share, reflect, and get a sense of who you are and your real heart for the people and for the yeah, church. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, when, when I do the pastoral visits, I, I do all sorts of things uh, during the during the week that I'm, I'm in the region. So, you know, it's visiting, uh, celebrating masses, of course, in all the parishes, as many as I can get to, visiting the schools if they have schools, sometimes visiting with parish staff and leadership teams, certainly meeting one-on-one with the pastors, praying with the priests of the area and having a meal with them. But a big part of the visit are these town hall meetings where I just go into an open meeting with with parishioners. Uh, Sometimes it's just from one parish. Sometimes it's from the area. Uh, They'll all come together for one town hall meeting. And it gives me an opportunity, uh, first of all, just to share very personally my love and care and concern for the people and my heart's desire, as I've been saying at the beginning of the program here, to be uh, a good spiritual father and to be closer to the people, to, to get back to why I became a priest in the first place. I didn't become a priest to, to become a bishop, uh, certainly not to become a CEO. I wanted to be a pastor, a shepherd. I mean, really, 32 years ago, that's why I uh, became a priest, was because I wanted to accompany people. I wanted to walk with people. I wanted to teach them. I wanted to encourage them. I wanted to, to provide the sacraments for them. I wanted to be just present with them in their, their ups and their downs. Uh, that was that was that was my only desire. I never thought I'd be a bishop. Uh, so it's part of me is, is reconnecting with that uh, that that priest from 32 years ago. So in these town hall meetings, I just basically share a few words of explanation for why I'm doing these visits and and why I'm doing these town halls, and then I just open it up. Mm-hmm. And I tell the good folks, I say, look, you know, uh, maybe you have some questions. And they, they always do. Uh, you know, you have some questions. They can be questions about uh, our faith, questions about our, our parishes, questions about our, our local church in the archdiocese, questions about me personally, sometimes personal questions, uh, or questions about my uh, ministry as archbishop. But I, I tell them, or they can raise concerns that they have that they think I should be aware of, things they may not think, uh, they think I may not be aware of. Just any concerns that are on their hearts, things that are burning on their hearts that they they want their shepherd to know, their spiritual father to know. Mm -hmm. But I also tell them, look, this isn't because, you know, when you say, well, this is about questions and concerns that, you know, automatically kind of tends to take it perhaps in a little bit more of a negative uh, tone, if you will. Uh, Although I do want people to, to be able to ask their questions and express their concerns. But I also tell them, but it can also be a time where you want to share with me what is good that is happening in your parish community? What makes your parish community unique? What is it in your parish community that gives you life? Uh, what is some, maybe some of the unique characteristics of your parish? What's some of the history that you think I should know uh, or, or facts about your life together that, that I may not be aware of that, that you really, in order for me to get to know not just the individual people better, but the whole parish culture and the parish community to better, you know, what can you tell me that, that, that's joyful and good and happening here that's, that's really successful and, and what you're proud of? Yeah. So it's, and it, and it, and it becomes a, a wonderful exchange 
uh, sometimes a very lively exchange. And I have just grown uh, to love them, uh, really. I, I look forward to them. I think, you know, it's it's perhaps some would think it's a little unnerving or nerve-wracking uh, to, to stand up before a, a room full of people and, and just expose yourself in that way to, you know, whatever is on anybody's mind or heart. But I have found it to be a, a powerful and wonderful experience. I can, you know, maybe count on, on one hand uh, the number of, of folks during those town hall meetings who uh, have gotten perhaps, um, you know, maybe a little uncharitable. Uh, you know, and generally, uh, they're very respectful, forthright and honest and open. And, you know, they're not, they're not holding back what their concerns are, but generally they're expressed in very respectful and loving ways, you know, to their shepherd. And, and I, I can hear that. Uh, and I think sometimes it's just knowing that, that they've been heard. I, you know, there's some things I can't do anything about. I can't change certain things. But sometimes people just need to be heard. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to express to their spiritual father, this is what hurts. This is where I question. This is where I doubt. Uh, this is a struggle for me. Uh, or this is an area of confusion. Can you help me understand? Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I, they're, they're great. Yeah, I think it's just an important time for us to come together. And for those that are listening, if you're seeing in your parish bulletin that one of these is coming up, please attend. Please bring your whole family. I mean, this is an opportunity to get to learn about your faith community. And and you've mentioned so many times, Archbishop, it's not just the church in Western Oregon. You know that we belong to a greater church. Mm -hmm. We have our parish communities that are in locations, but we all belong to one church. And maybe the part of building unity is in yes, love I think, and communication. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people, quite honestly, I, I have found over time, uh, and this isn't just here in Western Oregon, but it was in my previous uh, uh, assignment as bishop back in Michigan, that a lot of people just don't understand the church. And they don't understand the role of the bishop. Who is this bishop? You know, I, I know my pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, my pastor, sometimes, you know, they rotate. And I get new pastors and I know my community. I know my parish. But who's this bishop and what's his relevance for me? What's his role? Uh, why should I care about him or what he thinks or what he is saying? And I, I think it's it's really part of this whole pastoral visit idea is to make those connections for people, to realize, to help people realize that. You know, all of the faithful in Western Oregon, all of the Catholics in Western Oregon, quite honestly, all of the people in Western Oregon, because we have mm-hmm. a mission of evangelization as right. well, they, they are my, my, my people. They are my flock, if you will. Uh, they are the people God has entrusted to my care. I'm the primary shepherd. Um, and I don't say that arrogantly. Uh, it's a heavy burden. I, we were just reading, we're reading in the, in the breviary right now in the Liturgy of the Hours, these incredible uh, teachings of St. Augustine on the role of the shepherd, and they're very challenging for us who are bishops. And, you know, St. Augustine is famous for saying, you know, when I, am, when I am terrified by what I am for you, I am consoled by what I am with you. For you, I am a shepherd. I am the bishop. But with you, I am a Christian. I am also a disciple of Jesus and a beloved son of, of a heavenly father. And I think that, uh, you know, for, for me to be out is also to help people understand that I have a role in every parish of the archdiocese. In, in a sense, I am, the, I am the pastor of all of these parishes. And you have a local pastor mm-hmm. who I assign there. 
uh, but that pastor really represents me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is my, you know, as, as one uh, priest put it, and I think I maybe used this expression on the, on the, on the radio once before, uh, the pastor, I was a visit, and he said, the, arch, the archbishop is sitting in the chair that you usually sit, have seen me sitting in at Sunday Mass, right? Actually, I want you to understand, that's his chair. Yeah. And I get to use it when he's not here. And of course, which is 99.9% of the time. But it was, it was a great teaching moment that the bishop and, and the Second Vatican Council made this beautiful expression that, that the, the, the bishop presides over every celebration of the Eucharist in the archdiocese, either personally or through his representative, which is, which is the priest. So, I mean, the, the bishop is the successor to the apostles. He is the one primarily in, in charge of the pastoral care of the people, of the Catholic people, and especially in that archdiocese or diocese, and so yeah, I think people need to need to need to know who that man is, and and to know that that man loves them, cares about them, is interested in them, as I said, and wants to know mm-hmm. what's on their hearts and their minds. Absolutely. And when you come together with these town hall meetings, again coming together, whether it's a region or a vicariate, you've got the pastor, you've got a staff, you've got mo- a lot of volunteers, and of course all the parishioners the families who are attending that school, uh, and all of the people that are there, they're all contributing different things in different ways. And it's a, an opportunity, it seems like, for you to, to rally the, those particularly who are charged to, to staff and to mm-hmm. volunteer the particular ministries and outreach, uh, opening up the church every day. It doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. It happens with <laughs> a lot of love and a lot of work and a lot of a lot of organization to make sure we have a beautiful church that's going to serve the needs of its people. Yeah, I, I, I hope on these visits to encourage people and maybe even light a little fire for them, you know, and, and to recognize that you know the the church. Okay, yes, you know, I am the archbishop, and I have the care for, for all of the churches. We have our pastors, we have our deacons, uh, and we have religious that are serving in, in parishes as well. But a parish community and an archdiocesan community requires uh, the, the, the input, the, the cooperation, the, the labors, uh, the investment of all of us together. We all are in this together. And the various uh, apostolates uh, that people engage in, the various ministries that lay ecclesial ministries that they involve themselves in in the parish, whether those be liturgical ministries, whether those be catechetical or educational ministries, whether they are service ministries either within the parish or service ministries to to those outside the parish, to the poor and to the needy. Um, There's all sorts of ways, prayer ministries, uh, you know, in other words, spiritual ministries. There's all so many different ways that we can participate in the life of our parishes. And so to bring the people together and to rally them, as you say, and to to hopefully set the vision for them. I mean, part of the reason for these visits is to create a sense of community, mm-hmm. not just in the parish, but with the larger church, as you mentioned earlier, that we're part of something bigger. You know, I, you know, and I understand I mean, I grew up in a parish, and I was a pastor. Uh, so, yeah, when you're when you're in a parish or you're a pastor of a parish, you tend to focus on your local community, and, and you don't think a lot about outside of that community. But I think I want people to understand that no, I am as much a brother or sister in Christ to the person in the parish 200 miles from me as I am to the person who's sitting next to me on the pew every Sunday. 
and in other words, we're all part of the body of Christ. It's one church, one body, uh, one spirit, one God and Father of us all. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I do want people to be invested in their parishes and loving their parishes and proud of their parishes and all of those good things. Uh, but I also want them to see that the parish isn't, isn't the, the, the end game. It's, it's the parish is part of, of, a, of, a, of a structure of the, of the body of Christ that extends not just throughout the archdiocese, throughout our state, throughout our region, but throughout the world. Right. Right. And just, I know that on some of the different town hall meetings I've seen, there'll be a little bit of a dialogue and particularly inviting those that are involved in a liturgical ministries. Maybe they're involved with the music. Maybe they're involved as a, an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion or one of our ushers. But just thinking about those people who are drawn to serve particularly as we celebrate the sacraments and a message that you have for all of these ministries, these opportunities to participate in the Holy Eucharist and the celebration of our liturgies. Yes, the, uh, you know, the essential message is that it, it, part of it is to highlight the importance of those liturgical ministries, uh, specifically if we're, if we're talking about liturgical ministries, because as I said, there's many ways that people contribute to the life of the parish. But and this is this is a very visible kind of ministry. Uh, so our altar servers, our uh, readers, the lectors, our, our extraordinary ministers when they are needed, the sacristan. Mm-hmm. You know, the sacristan role is very important. And I see, I see that so clearly when I travel these last nine years all across the parishes of the Archdiocese of Portland, how critical it is that person who just, or persons that just take, take responsibility for making sure that things are ready, you know, for mass. Uh, the liturgical ministry of music, you know, and sacred music in the liturgy is so important. So one thing I wanted people to understand and take away is that, you know, this is, this is extremely important and it's solemn holy ministry and it and it takes great reverence and devotion uh, and it's not just something i do but it's it's a, it's a entering more deeply into the liturgical action by by participating i remember when i was an altar boy a little kid i had a great much greater interest in the mass and a much greater love for the mass quite honestly than my peers did who didn't serve because i was so close to it i was involved in it i was there at the altar i got to see things up close and i was playing an important role you know in a certain sense yes i mean the priest could celebrate mass without a server but uh, you know I, it was clear to me that my role here is necessary it's mm-hmm. important and i'm i'm contributing here something you know powerful and beautiful so that's one thing the other thing i want people to understand is that there's a way to do these things and this isn't a free for all there are, the church has certain guidelines and, and if we want to call them laws, uh, norms, for how the liturgy is celebrated. And, and we want to do this well and we want to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sadly, there are still some um, misinterpretations of, of liturgical practice and some practices that aren't, aren't the greatest that we need to really take a look at and clean up. You know, we're, the, the church desires a, a Eucharistic revival. You know, and then we're going to be about that, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the years ahead. Uh, but part of the Eucharistic revival is a good, um, what we call, uh, I'm going to use a Latin phrase here, an ars celebrandi. And it translates to an art of celebrating. There is an art to the celebration of the sacred liturgy. In other words, there's a, there's a way to do this that, is, that, that should be prayerful, 
should be beautiful, should be reverent. Uh, you know, far too often, you know, this is just an observation, far too often, and this, I'm not picking on the local church here, this is worldwide, far too often our liturgical celebrations become very casual, very kind of colloquial, it, kind of a, a what we call a low liturgy, you know, just a very... Um, not a very elevated experience, let's say, very pedestrian, very common, very very much like, you know, a hu- human entertainment sorts of things. Whereas the liturgical experience should be something elevating, should be something mystical, should be something that takes us out of the ordinary and out of the, the mundane and the normal way that we do and experience life and, and should lift our minds and our hearts to God. So we need to work hard to make sure that we are our ministries, whether that be from the priest or the deacon or the other liturgical ministers, the sacred music, all contribute to the Ars Celebrandi, the art of celebrating the liturgy in a way that really can inspire and change uh, and, and lift the hearts of, of the people of God. So that would be, you know, part of my message to, to those ministers uh, when, when I meet with them. Right. And really, it's calling upon that Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, and to continue to help us to stay focused on Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is, he is the answer. He changes everything. He changes everything. So we will pray for your safety as you travel here and there and everywhere uh, to continue to be open to God's call and Holy Spirit as you meet with our various parishes. And with that, would you please help us close yes. with your blessing? The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families, your loved ones, and your parishes and missions, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God be with you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.